Your views, your news, your Limerick Today with Joe Nash on Live 95. Hours to Protect, brought to you by Live 95, the IBI, and funded by Commission Naman with a television license fee. Check out hours to protect.ie for more info. For this week's episode, I spoke to environmental journalist and commentator John Gibbons. Based in Dublin, John has been writing and speaking about environmental and climate-related issues for the last decade and a half. He also maintains an environmental blog at thinkorswim.ie and climatechange.ie, which provides a one-stop source of information and opinion on climate-related issues. I began by asking John what inspired him to get involved in climate journalism. Yeah, I guess my background is as a, a journalist from, from many years back. And then I had moved from journalism into, uh, I guess, into the business side, uh, publishing and so on. Uh, and about 20 years ago, my, my, I guess my eldest child was born. And um, I suppose that kind of really put me in the mind to think into the future, I suppose, to be thinking 20, 30, 40 years hence. And uh, I suppose... That started me down the road, really, of reading uh, a lot of environmental um, publications, a lot of science around uh, biodiversity, around uh, climate change. And I suppose that kind of took me on a journey, if you like, uh, to use that phrase uh, that I'm still on, really, which is coming to terms with, the, I guess, the, the global climate and biodiversity crisis. Uh, but it takes a long time, really, or it can take a long time to, to fully come to terms with it. And I guess that, that's what I've been working towards. And something that I'm really interested in your work is how you can get any story and see that there's a climate angle to it. In the work in Irish Protect, someone said to me that we look at every news story through an economic angle, how it'll affect the economy. But we need to start looking, or urgently need to start looking at how it'll affect the climate. And I saw with the RT payment scandal even, you were able to look at the late, late through that lens. Do you, do you find that most stories you can find a climate angle on them? Yeah, pretty much. I, I suppose the way I see it is that the you know our societies, even our economies, they're they're really wholly owned subsidiaries of the. Um, they're all around us, but they're they're kind of invisible to most. So I suppose, yeah. In short, when you when you look closely at this, uh, you you can see everywhere you look. Really, you, what you see really in nature is that everything is connected. Uh, every system connects to every other system, uh, sort of like a like a vast global spider web. And once you begin to understand that, then you can you can get a clearer picture of the connectedness of life and the fact that you know we humans and all our economic activity and all our our endeavours, they're all connected to the natural world. Uh, in many cases, in, in in very dysfunctional ways, but but we're still connected. And something I encounter a lot is people who say, "Well, Ireland is such a small country. You know, what, what difference does anything we do make in, in the grand scheme of things?" What would your response to that be? Yeah, it is. A, I've heard that many, many times. I, I, was, I was on a show with with uh, Pat Kenny, the broadcaster, one day, and he said exactly that comment to him. So my reply to Pat was, "I said, uh, do you vote?" And he said, of course I vote. And I said, well, why, Pat? Why would you bother voting? Your vote is only one vote among millions. And, and of course, I was being facetious. But the point I was making very simply is, of course it matters. Uh, for example, if you take the, the, the emissions arising from 5 million Irish people, it amounts to 68 million tonnes uh, per annum. That's the same emissions, by the way, as, as ejected by the 400 million poorest people of the world. So we may be small, but we punch above our weight. 
uh, we're among the highest emissions per capita in the European Union. And these, by the way, are, are sort of exaggerated. They're overstated because of the huge emissions from our uh, livestock sector in particular. And of course, those emissions are kind of attached to each of us as individuals, even though we're not beneficiaries of them, we're responsible for them legally. Uh, so it's one of the reasons why our, our, our national emissions, despite having quite a small industrial sector in Ireland, our national emissions are sky high, even by European standards. Uh, and it is something that uh, is, is really a, it's a national shame. Have we any chance of keeping below the 1.5 degree target that, that we had with, with climate change? Or are we going past the point of no return? Well, first of all, I would never say never. But secondly, I was reading a report earlier this morning uh, from the journal, the science journal Nature, and they're now saying that at the start of 2023, scientists estimated a 1% likelihood of the 1.5 degree um, for the whole of 2023 being breached this year. They've, re- they've up- upgraded that estimate now to 55%. So we now have a better than even chance that 2023, on like across the entire year globally, will have exceeded 1.5. So, frankly, I'm 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 just absolutely aghast. It's incredible. Uh, we've had a year of heat like we've never had before. And this isn't just 2023. Isn't just the hottest year on the instrumental record, which goes back to about 1850. Scientists believe that 2023 is the hottest year on Earth in about 125 thousand years. This is how extreme and extraordinary it is. And those people paying attention, we've, what we've seen, this has manifest itself right across the globe, particularly the Northern Hemisphere, with extreme weather events, heat waves, droughts, crop failures, and then extreme flooding events. We've had so many that it's almost impossible to actually keep count of them. Under. And finally, John, I saw on your on your blog, Think or Swim, that uh, you said we're one of the few generations who can still make a difference. I'm wondering if what initiatives would you like to see that could genuinely make a difference? I, I would start with, with having a serious conversation about food security. I, I have huge worries about um, the, the, the future of food across Europe, across the Northern Hemisphere, across the world. Uh, we've seen so many food systems that are already being stressed by extreme weather, by, by droughts, heat waves, flooding events. Uh, for example, there was a massive uh, flooding event in Greece recently that destroyed tens of thousands of hectares of some of the most prime Greek agricultural land has been inundated, and it's reckoned that it be at least a decade, maybe longer, before that produces any food again. So what we're seeing is the huge vulnerability to, to extreme weather of our agriculture and food systems. Yet here in Ireland, we're still exporting 90% of our um, primary produce, which is uh, beef and dairy. Yet we're importing 85% of our vegetables and our fruits. Uh, That's something that, you know, if if I had a magic wand, I would, what I would wave it is, I would establish in the next government a Ministry for Food Security. And that ministry would replace the the Ministry for Agriculture and focus primarily on how do we secure our national food supply to make sure that the purpose of agriculture, which should be to make sure that we're able to feed our own population, not our, not necessarily our livestock, but our human population. But let's be honest, the livestock are only there to feed us anyway. So we need to find the most efficient ways to do that. There are other international models for this. For example, Holland, uh, a country only a fraction, only about a third the size of Ireland, uh, with a huge population, 17 million people, the world's second largest food exporter. 
they produce 100 billion euros a year. And how do they do it? They do it uh, through advanced horticulture. They have tens of thousands of hectares of agriculture being operated under under glass in greenhouse and so on. And this, if you like, represents the future of farming, where we use high technology, we use uh, things like systems like hydroponics, which means you, you use water more efficiently, and by controlling the environment, you also eliminate pests, which means you don't have to spray everything with pesticides. And they're producing food for human consumption in huge quantities on limited areas of land. In Ireland, we're basically, agriculture is occupying every niche everywhere. We need to give lots of our countryside, particularly our wild countryside, our mountains and hills, need to be given back to nature. To read more of John's work, check out thinkorswim.ie and climatechange.ie. Ours to Protect is funded by Commission Naman with the television licence fee and is a partnership between Live95 and the IBI. Check out OursToProtect.ie for more info. Your views, your news, your Limerick Today with Joe Nash on Live95.